This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome back in. You were listening to the June 29th, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions and brought to you by the folks over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a contributor here at The Viz, host of the Lay in the Points pod here on RV Radio. I feel like we can call that slaying the points the way that show is. 2QBs.com, Number Fire, Roster Coach, Draft Consult, Inc., and 4 for 4 Football. Welcome to the show, Anthony Amico. AA, you can find him on the tweets at Amixta. That's A-M-I-C-S-T-A. It is great to have you on the show, Mailbag. The show Mailbag, the Mailbag Show, AA. I feel like you've done this show. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Turbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Before, but when I wasn't here, like, I think I was having my 20th kid or something, and you were actually on this end of the mic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, that was either me or Heath. I can't remember, but I do remember you reaching out to us about that. The last time I was a guest on this show was, I feel like it was like two years ago. <laughs> a really long time, but uh, definitely a big fan of the mailbag, and I appreciate you having me on. No, we really appreciate you coming on and carving out the time here. Um, I wasn't kidding, too. The slaying the points, it's, it's slaying the points, but I call it slaying the points because it's they slay the podcast. You definitely want to check that out on the radio feed here. And we're going to be answering all the questions for the offseason regarding dynasty trades, player and team outlooks, offseason prep, you name it. Anthony, before we do dive right in, though, you've spent a ton of time working on projections this upcoming season. Uh, give us a couple of team-level regression candidates uh, that folks might not be on right now based on last season results that we should be targeting uh, based on how those offenses project. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest one for me is just Tennessee. Uh, just in terms of pure math, I, I, their pass touchdown rate last year was just 2.8%. Really, really low. And you know the talent, I think, overall there probably speaks to it should be higher than that, league average. Touchdown percent is roughly like four and a half percent. So, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota was a, a top two pick. Uh, Corey Davis was a top five pick. Richard Matthews has been really good. Delaney Walker has been really good. Like, uh, they just signed Deion Lewis. Like, this is a team that has a ton 
a ton, ton, ton of passing weapons. And, you know, they've changed the coach. I think that they'll change the scheme a good bit. Uh, and that probably benefits them a lot too. It's, it, it's kind of hard for me to like pick teams, I think, past that just because there's so many teams that kind of hinge on personnel differences. Like I think the Colts this year are still being really undervalued, but obviously a lot of that is kind of tied into the, the luck injury and, and kind of what his situation is. You know, I, I think that the second luck gets back on the field, obviously, uh, all those guys are really good, but I think someone like T.Y. Hilton is already really good uh, and probably being underdrafted. Like that's that's a more particular guy that I'm probably trying to buy everywhere. So that, that's kind of where I'm looking right now. I, you know, like I said, I think a lot of these other teams, like if I'm looking at spots, maybe a team like Cincinnati is due for some regression. I, they were pretty inefficient last year. I think that overall, with some of the changes they've made, they'll probably be a little more efficient this year. Uh, but a lot of the other change, a lot of the other offenses that I think you can probably buy low would be more. Uh, because of those personnel differences. Yeah, and you can get all these pieces in Tennessee, I mean, seventh round or later for, you know, the wide receivers and the quarterback, the running backs you're getting in the fourth or fifth rounds here. Not a lot of equity to, to get pieces of these guys. T.Y. Hilton, I just started taking in the third round as well. I mean, he's still, to your point, coming off too, a little too late should Andrew Luck come back. And I, basically the main takeaway here, as I'm gathering, is between Tennessee Indianapolis, Cincinnati, like just target the Midwest. Like if the team is in the Midwest, like generally speaking, you're going to get a good, right? right? Like if we just over, is that too much oversimplification on that one? I mean, I wasn't even really thinking about it from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think it's pretty easy. I, mean, I think it's pretty easy actually to suggest that like, you know, media coverage is not the same in a lot of these other spots. Like, like when Odo Beckham does something, like the whole world knows, you know, like if anyone in Philly does something, like a JHI being called the guy has been a news item like 15 different times this offseason, you know, but I feel like that conversation doesn't happen the same way in some of these like lesser known cities. I don't know. You might be onto something. <laughs> now, as you look across all your projections and compare them to industry ADPs, what is it telling you in terms of draft strategy for this upcoming season? And when we talk about that, you know, of course, the pendulum has swung way back in the running backs. I know some of us, of course, at the Viz are still looking at uh, zero RB as maybe even more uh, of a good strategy this year than ever. Where, where are you at here? Yeah, I mean, I'm all in on zero running back. To the point to like some of the reasons you mentioned, like the pendulum has just swung so far in terms of ADP. Some of the drafts that I am in, like I was in a draft the other day, like 13 of the first 16 picks were running backs. And then like the 12th best wide receiver, like the end of that, you know, WR1 tier doesn't come off the board until like the third round, sometimes the fourth round, some of the drafts I'm doing. Like, uh, it's pretty, pretty primed i think for zero running back right now there's a lot of opportunities to you know not just stack receivers but stack really good receivers that i think last year would have been like second round picks and like the fourth round you know stuff like that so that's that's where i'm leaning for sure and to piggyback off of that i know you spent some time equating your work into the ever so popular scott fishbowl can you let the cat out of the bag a little bit in terms of what you intend to do there based on scoring roster construction and everything you found underneath the hood as well yeah, so Scott, I mean, has done a really awesome job, I think, with the scoring this season. Like, huge, huge shouts to him because, uh, you know, I think one of the issues, obviously, in fantasy football and is that, like, sometimes we think PPR scoring is too slanted towards receivers. Like, sometimes we think standard is too slanted towards running backs. You know, there, there's a million reasons, like, for or against many, many scoring systems. But, you know, what Scott's done with the tight end premium and the PPR and the point for first down, like all the stuff that he's kind of added, it's really created a nice balance, I think, across positions. So 
you know, for me, I'm really just going to be playing the injury rates. So uh, that, of course, means zero running back. Uh, but I think I'm also going to put a little bit of an emphasis on getting an early quarterback, which I don't typically do. Uh, a lot of times, especially when I do zero RB, uh, I'm out targeting an early tight end. But those players get injured a lot as well, and the scoring has made more tight ends viable. You know, like the guy that I have projected tight end 10, it's pretty equivalent with like a wide receiver three, whereas I feel like typically like that 10th tight end uh, in like a more traditional PPR setting is uh, like a wide receiver in like the 40s or the 50s. So I, I think that there's more tight ends that you can use. Uh, so I'm going to maybe take a shot at grabbing one of those quarterbacks with, uh, I would say, like a super elite like range of outcomes, like kind of just paying for some of that variance and hoping to get like a really big year. So I have the 101 and I'm going to take Antonio Brown. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty fired up for that. Yeah, you're going to get nothing other than consistency with Antonio Brown at the 101. Shocker. And you're going to get nothing other than consistency when you take a look at a 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage at rotaviz.com slash podcast. Right now, you're going to want to take a look at the FF Draft Prep. That's Dave Cabin's new uh, tools that he has built into the site. So if you are a subscriber, not only to the show, but also on the site, these are all the additional tools and resources and, and draft dashboards and projection machines all built into the same tool that you you're going to have at your fingertips and all of this really also helps support this pod you can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the rotaviz radio channel on itunes do that you'll be eligible to win a free 35 dollars entry to a league hosted by our friends at the ffpc just go to itunes leave a review with your name in it and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner and also if you are interested in being in an ffpc league with some of the word of his writers and podcasters email us word of his radio at gmail.com and we'll go ahead and get that set up for you as well and if you're a fan of this show this very show right now and you want to sub directly to the fancy football mailbag feed do so it takes hard work getting the show out every week so do us a solid and hit that rate button and last but not least if you you have any questions you want answered on this show with the likes of Anthony and folks that come on every single week, email us. Again, that's wordofhisradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get those answered for you on air. All right, Anthony, let's dive right in, fire up some of these QQs for the week. Here we go. First one, redraft. I'm struggling with wide receiver picks in the fourth when it comes to Alshon, A-Rob, and Juju. I've been leaning A-Rob more than the others, but thinking Juju might have the highest ceiling, but not necessarily the overall consistency. How do you approach these wide receiver profiles as it relates to best ball exposure in general? Yes, I I think it, first of all, just depends on how many drafts you're doing. Like if you're a a relatively low volume drafter, maybe like 10 drafts or less, I probably wouldn't worry about exposures at all. Like I I would just find the guy that I like and I would just try to pick the best player, or at least who I think is going to be the best player projectively, uh, you know, in every round, which for me is Juju. I mean, I think that. He is probably like a solid receiver too right now. And, you know, he showed us this already last year. Like if anything happens to Antonio Brown or to Lev Bell, uh, he has super high upside. I, I think even probably wide receiver one overall upside uh, if anything happened to AB. So I think that's the kind of uh, variance that you want to buy in best ball. Uh, I mean, I, I want to buy it in redraft also, but I think especially in a format where you're not really going to be penalized for uh, the down weeks. That, that's where I'm going. Uh, I like Alshon the next best just because I think Philly is uh, a pretty efficient offense. I think that they're a solid team overall. Uh, and Alshon last year with uh, Carson Wentz produced some really good numbers. His numbers went down with Nick Foles, but I don't think we're really going to see a ton of Foles this year. Maybe week one, but probably not too much after that. Uh, Robinson, I think, is 
a little overrated as a talent. I, I know that we were big on A-Rob here at the Viz uh, when he was a prospect. Um, but he hasn't done like a ton, and he's coming off a, a pretty major knee injury. He's going to be playing with a second-year quarterback who we don't know a lot about in the division that's uh, pretty strong, I would say, defensively, uh, and obviously plays like some cold weather games. So A-Rob for me is third. So I mean, if I was playing like a bunch of leagues, uh, maybe I'd go like 50% Juju, 30% Alshon, 20% A-Rob. But um, I- I'm typically willing to be a little more heavy on the guys that I like just because uh, I don't know. Like I'm playing for, I'm playing to win the most money possible, right? Like I feel like if I distribute those selections too much, uh, then I'm kind of just playing to break even. Like I like the opportunity to like, you know, if a guy like Juju goes off, uh, and has a big year, like all of a sudden I have like a crazy ROI. So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm, how I play. Yeah, I think that's a great take across the board there. I mean, at the end of the day, we still have our quote-unquote guys, right? So, you know, generally you just want to kind of consolidate your list, get your tiers down, and figure out who you do like the most. And to your point, if you're doing 10 to 20, maybe there's a a guy or two in each tier that you're going to take, you know, 50% of the time or more, and then you're spreading the exposure from there as well. As you mentioned, there's some ambiguity uh, with the likes of A-Rob. I like him this year. I like the offense in general, but we'd be remiss not to mention we just don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out in the Baltimore uh, backfield as well. This one is the best ball. I found myself drafting Alex Collins a few times out of need, but really can't get on board with him despite uh, them not drafting a replacement. I hear buzz about Kenneth Dixon. Should I be worried about him and possibly drafting him late as well? I mean, I'm not worried about Kenneth Dixon. I'm more worried about Buck Allen, my son. There it is. But Yeah, like I think that there's definitely reason to be concerned about Collins, I mean, even without Dixon there last year, if you look at just the last 12 games of 2017, the splits were as follows. Carries, Collins 15.6, Allen 9. Targets, Collins 2.8, Allen 3.4. Total yards, Collins 79.5, Allen 49.8. And uh, PPR points, Collins 12.9, Allen 10. So pretty, pretty close, I'd say, between Collins and the backup. I think if you just looked at the offense overall, like the the share of rush attempts and the share of production is probably lower than you'd think with a guy like Collins, who was awesome last year. Like, don't get me wrong, he was really good. But I think that if this team passes, you know, gets back to passing a little bit more, maybe doesn't have as many leads as they did last year, if the defense plays worse, you know, I think we're looking at getting that pass-catching running back on the field, whoever it is. I mean, maybe it is ends up being Dixon instead of Allen, but uh, I, I tend to lean towards a guy that's kind of already done it. So for me, that's Buck. Yep, I'll take Buck there as well. I don't mind Perrin Collins and and Buck. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like normally you, you don't want to quote-unquote handcuff or anything like that, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, these are really late-round flyer-type picks, like round 20 in a best ball league, so I'm cool with that. Um, Anthony, what are your best and worst purchases you've ever made? Okay, so this is really tough. So the, the, the answer is you might find questionable. So uh, first of all, the best. The best was a no-brainer. The engagement ring I gave to my wife when I asked her to marry me, complete no-brainer, best purchase I ever made. But I, I really couldn't come up with a worse purchase, and like I don't want you to like listen to this and think that it means that I think I have like a hundred percent hit rate on purchases. I just really don't buy that much stuff. Like I was trying to think about like <laughs> something I bought that I've regretted it, and I'm like I can't even name like ten things that I bought in the last like five years. Like most of the only thing I've ever paid for is like food stuff like that. Like I don't even really buy clothing. Like I haven't even bought a pair of shoes in the last like three years. Like I don't, I just don't spend money on a lot of stuff. So I couldn't really come up with the worst purchase, but 
Probably like I think I got food poisoning from a slice of pizza like a year or two ago. So I'd probably <laughs> say that's like the worst thing I've ever bought. I feel like it's the Rotovision answer as well, right? Like it's just you know we're we're not going to completely just throw money away. We're not going to get things outside of necessity unless it's like really really piquing our interest there. And you know like like shoes. I also I don't buy shoes unless I need them, right? Like I think I was wearing the same pair of Adidas for like the last seven years because they just weren't dirty enough to actually replace without having to actually wash them again. And I think I bought another pair of Adidas, you know, shocker, because that's all I buy. And I think that was about six months ago. So this pair is probably going to last me at least another four years as well, because I'm just not going to need them. Right. I love it. I love it. And the best part about like being that kind of person too, is that like, you're so annoying to shop for, for like your birthday or for Christmas that like, the people who love you just like pack it in and get you something that you might need. And then you end up not needing that thing for another like decade. I just need a check. That's all I need. <laughs> right? That's all 100%. I need. 100%. I think we, we talked about this a couple a couple weeks on the show, a couple weeks ago on the show as well, is that, you know, my mother-in-law wants me to be able to open something. Well, it has to have some sort of gift to, to wrap on, uh, unwrap on Christmas Day. Like, no, I just, I just need the check. You don't need to go out of your way. Even with Amazon, you don't need to log on. Like, just give me the check and I'll make it happen. Like, you know, the, the only downside to that, though, is the check, you know, like it takes a while for me to actually deposit it into the account. And then some way, shape or form, the the, the better half ends up with that check or spending it somewhere else. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> uh, no, you're right. <laughs> Redraft moving on there. Who are a couple late round uh, RBs to draft that won't be a part of a system like eight touches a game but can catapult to, say, top 24 status with an injury? I'm trying to create a pool of zero RB guys I can take late. So not necessarily the web scat back that may stay involved, but is there anybody that's catapulting up via injury there coming out of nowhere? Yeah, so I tried to go really, really late on these just because – wasn't exactly sure how late you meant, but I definitely wanted to make sure that these were players you could obtain. I mean, Gio Bernard is probably like the top guy, I would say, with like a really late ADP. Um, just because I don't think, you know, unlike a guy like a Theo Riddick or like a James White, who I think do have pretty consistent roles in the offense, I'm not positive that Bernard will. Like this, I could definitely see this being the Joe Mixon show early. And I think that drafters are certainly considering that because uh, Bernard is. Uh, pretty close to like running back 50 in that range, depending on where you're drafting. But if anything happened to Mixon, I think it's wheels up again on, on Bernard. Like he goes back to being a, you know, 12 to 15 carry, five target a game kind of guy. And that's, you know, that, that's a good play for me for sure. Um, I really like Chase Edmonds, who probably doesn't get any work at all to start the season behind David Johnson, but uh, was really prolific in, at the college level, albeit at one double A. Uh, can do a lot of things, run, catch, probably play special teams too if the team really asks him to. Like, uh, that's someone where I think, like, if anything happened to DJ, he is like an immediate workhorse. Uh, and then two, two guys going even later who probably don't even get drafted in a lot of drafts, but, uh, Robert Turbin is someone that I like just to, in case he fills that big back role in Indy. I mean, if Andrew Luck is healthy, I think we have to assume that this offense scores points. And, you know, they may not want to give the ball to Marlon Mack or, uh, Naheem Hines in the red zone or in those goal-to-go situations, they may look at, at Turbin similar to they did with Frank Gore. So uh, maybe not a guy who would be like a top 12 running back, but if he's in that like running back 20 to 30 range and you get him at the end of your drafts, especially in best ball, 
I think that's a, a plus EV investment. And uh, the last guy for me is Jalen Samuels, uh, just because I think I think in the event of a left belt injury, he is most likely going to be on the receiving end of a committee with James Conner. And I certainly like to get those PPR backs when I can. And a huge bonus for me with Samuels is that on a draft, he is uh, listed as a tight end. So you kind of get like a zero RB target at the tight end position, which to me is like uber valuable because, you know, if you start getting those consistent touches in that slot, I think that's a, a real league winning opportunity. Good stuff there as well. Yeah. And in, in, in essence, you're really targeting these offenses that you think can, can provide that, that opportunity. Like you mentioned there, you know, like someone like LeGarrette Blunt, like I, I like him, but I think he's probably a little too expensive, but you know, I do like what I think is potentially happening. We haven't seen much in the past with the successful line, but I think that's getting a little bit better. Um, I, one more I'll add in, let me get your thoughts on Latavius Murray. You know, I think Dalvin Cook is going really high. We definitely saw the efficiency from him last year, but of course coming off that injury, um, you know, it's just a high-octane offense. I can't imagine that they're going to want to just run him into the ground this season. It's not like um, Latavius Murray proved he can't do it, so I think he's going late enough that you know, he, he might have some standalone value like that eight touches a game um, in and of itself right now at the start of the season, but then could also potentially become an RB2 as well. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I, I don't think I'm not as high on you in terms of like the pre-injury role. I do think that this will kind of be Cook's show, but that offense is going to be really, really good. Uh, you know, when you have the two stud receivers and the stud quarterback and a pretty good tight end, like uh, a lot of opportunities I think will go the way of the run game there, especially since their uh, defense is so good. So we're talking about a lot of clock-killing situations, and if Murray had the opportunity to do that without Derek McKinnon, I think he would have posted, obviously, even better numbers than he did last year. So uh, I'm definitely buying that for sure. Good stuff there. Uh, we're going back to Baltimore. I guess this is the show of the wire. Uh, next question, I keep looking to Baltimore to find wide receiver value but can't pinpoint which one to target. How do you see this playing out? It seems trendy to not like Michael Crabtree right now, but how does he not see a lot of volume in this offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good question, and I think that the volume should go Crabtree's way. I mean, you start looking at some of the other options in the offense. I mean, John Brown has really struggled to stay healthy. Uh, certainly is talented, but uh, probably not a guy that you're going to give a ton of volume to. He's really more of a, a player that you expect to do things deeper down the field. Uh, Willie Sneed lost a bunch of work last year in New Orleans. you know, And then they have two rookie tight ends. So you're really talking about like the running backs, Crabtree, and like whatever they get out of like this mishmash of, mosh of players. So like I do have Crabtree for 20% of the targets there. I have him for like a buck 25. And that's good volume. I, I just... I think like the the primary reason I wouldn't draft Crabtree right now, or the reason that I'm not drafting him, is just that like a lot of fantasy players are buying the notion that he's going to see volume. Like to take him, you have to take him over someone like Marvin Jones or Sammy Watkins or Randall Cobb. And I just think I like those guys better, uh, especially in basketball, where like I think that those guys have like a a higher range of outcomes in any given week. Uh, but even in like a season long format. I just don't think that like Crabtree has a shot to have like this huge year. Like I kind of think he's pretty solid. We know who he is, but he's not someone that like you're going to take him in the fifth or sixth round and he's going to return second round value. And that's that typically is not the kind of player I like to target in drafts. All right. Next one here, Anthony, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? 
Yeah. So again, like like I was saying, you pre-show, like this is uh like a psychology experiment, I feel like. But <laughs> I uh after much debate, I decided on a dollar bill. Uh, just, I think it'd be really interesting just to see like how frequently money is changing hands, you know, how far it travels. Like if I started a dollar bill in New York, like do I end up in Hawaii? Do I end up in Alaska? Where do I end up? Like I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it would just be it would be kind of interesting, I guess. I don't know. It was it was a really tough question. You you know what though you you I think inherently are a more positive person than me though because you took the positive light of being a dollar bill and the opportunity to 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 travel the world and see all these different uh, amazing places and and when I think of the dollar bill I think about all the dirty nasty places that I'm gonna have to be in and all the the rolled up dirty snot and nose I'm gonna end up like a, you know where I'm going with that right. Oh yeah, but but if I mean like if you're a dollar bill, like it's not like you can get sick, you know. So this this is true. This is true. Time. But I guess I'm getting other people sick at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm literally a catalyst for sickness. Uh, see, yeah, apparently I am an optimistic pessimist. Uh, moving on from there, redraft with some ambiguity in the uh, LAC pass game here, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, uh, Rams, I think they actually meant on this one. Yep, I know it makes sense to take the cheapest option, but when I'm on the clock in the fifth and looking at wide receivers, I generally like Brandon Cooks more than the other options, and projections substantiate that. Unless a, say, Sony Michelle or Deion Lewis is there, I don't want a running back, and I don't want to pull the trigger on a Greg Olson yet. What are your thoughts? So, you know, this is an interesting dilemma here because you, you, you do, at a holistic level, you don't want the most expensive piece in a pass game where you don't know exactly how that target share is going to play out, um, but is he going to have a more dominant portion of that share where he's worth the other receivers in that range anyhow? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're certainly getting a discount on Cooks anyway. Like, I think if you, I think that if we knew that Cooks was going to be the top target in the offense, like, I think he'd be like a third round pick or maybe even like a second round pick. Like, I think he'd be going a lot higher than he is now because uh, it seems like a lot of the issues there is just doubt about like him ending up like Watkins last year. But I think that being in, in L.A. like the entire offseason pretty much uh, is going to help him, you know, understand the playbook, have a good rapport with Goff. Like I, to me, it's just like a totally different situation than the Watkins situation, uh, especially since it sounds like, you know, they really want to extend him, give him like the contracts, so, like all those things, I think, kind of lead to them thinking that he's like the missing piece, not not like an add on. So. Definitely the best guy there. I think the offense will be good. I think that that certainly comes with weekly upside. Uh, and again, like uh, kind of like what I was saying with Crabtree, like if we're talking about guys who, you know, like maybe project as like a receiver two or even like a high receiver three, but could end up returning, you know, low end WR1 value, uh, Cooks is probably one of those guys. So I would definitely buy Cooks for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat, and it's funny because. Before I actually dove in and started doing more of these best ball drafts, just in the last month, right, you know, I went into it thinking I'm just not going to buy Brandon Cooks. I like him. I know I cannot compare his role to, to what Sammy did. Um, you know, it, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges at this point when you are on the on the draft board and you're looking in that round and, and you're looking at wide receivers. He's just, you know, clearly it seems like he's he's in a tier of itself, in a in 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 a tier by himself, so to speak. So I'm with you there. Uh, next one here is redraft. Is there any truth to the Elijah Maguire reports, or is that just training camp stuff? I've actually been thinking about Isaiah Crowell and him being a sneaky volume play, but now I'm not so sure. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think ultimately McGuire is going to affect Powell a lot more than he affects Crowell. I mean, McGuire caught 130 passes in college. Uh, he's really proven in that department. A lot of the buzz out of Jets camp has been that, you know, McGuire's play has maybe made Powell expendable. Uh, so I don't really think that he's going to impact what Crowell does. I mean, Crowell got paid a pretty good chunk of change. I think that he's going to get his touches. Uh, you know, granted, I think that they will primarily be on the ground. But I definitely think that he's going to get the lion's share of the carries, and I think that he is going to get most of the touchdown opportunities. So I, I think that you're you're still all right. Like if you're targeting Crow as a, a sneaky volume play, I think that that's totally fine. Very good. All right, the next one here is the FMK for the week. This is the '80s movie series edition. All right, we've got Police Academy, Nerds, and the Karate Kid. So I'm actually going to toss this back to you because I've only seen Karate Kid out of these three movies. You you so, gotta be kidding me! Like we're I think we're the same age bracket if I'm not mistaken. Like we're 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 basically both old, right? Like I've got a bunch of kids. You coach a bunch of kids. You you can, <laughs> you, you can say we're young because you're the positive you, you're the positive positive guy, right? But so you're saying you've only seen the Karate Kid and you've never seen Police Academy or Nerds? That is correct. Oh, Anthony, Anthony, we're we're gonna have to change that. Like I'm going to fly to Jersey, and we're going to go and watch Police Academy. Like, I'm actually going to pin you down and make sure you watch Police Academy. (laughs) So, all right, well, so I will go ahead, and despite saying that, I will go ahead and kill Police Academy, only because... The there's a couple of characters in there, uh, Proctor being one of them. There's like the good cop, bad cop, right? And it just gets a little played out from from the series, from from the first one all the way through. I think Police Academy Five when they're in Miami there. So the storyline gets a little old. The Blue Oyster always funny, but you know they they needed to find some new material here. Um, I'll go ahead and and f with the nerds there because. You know, I just it's it's a great storyline. You know, the, the there's a group of nerds ultimately that go in and, and create and join their own fraternity because the the frats won't actually take them because they're just a bunch of nerds and got some dude named Ogre yelling nerds, right? And and so it's funny and it's good, but you know, you just can't really take it home to mom. The Karate Kid, you can take home to mom, though, because at the end of the day, there are life lessons involved there. You're learning about, you know, the, the yin and the yang and what you should and should not do. And, and I mean, you've got a, a coach, a mentor, uh, a relationship involved there. I mean, plus you've got a new romantic love story every single, you know, time. So I don't know. What At least give me your premise on Karate Kid. Like, am I off base there? You know, I feel like when I go back and I watch it, it probably does suck as a movie at the end of the day. But most of the movie series from the 80s suck. They're just nostalgic at this point. So, I mean, first of all, I'm happy that I've seen the best of these three movies. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I mean, I like Karate Kid. I think Karate Kid holds up. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of lessons there if for, like, the younger group. And then for the older group, it's like, I don't know. It's good to go back and, and kind of remember a guy basically just kicking ass because it's cool, you know, because it's, it's the right thing to do, you know, and Cobra no. Kai and all that stuff. I don't know. It, to me, it holds up. I, I like it for sure. Now, I haven't seen the Cobra Kai web series. I actually heard it is surprisingly good, so I'm gonna have to go and check that out. But what did you think? Did you see the remake of the Karate Kid? Ooh, oh, the Jaden Smith one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I saw all of it. Only parts. I, I'm like, 
I'm a little loyal with some of these things. Like I, <laughs> when I heard that he was like coming out with a new Karate Kid and stuff, I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't like redoing the old plots and stuff. Like I think that's like the one old man thing I have in me. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I'll still give it to the original anyhow, and we'll move on from there. Dynasty, just like the Karate Kid being a dynasty, is there any chance to Jamon Moore, and can he realistically take on a role in Green Bay with Geronimo Allison running as the three according to training camp reports? I'm only 20 roster spots deep in the, most of my dynasty leagues and have uh, might find more value churning that roster spot in the midseason after Jeff Janis. Not sure if anything actually transpires there. So, I mean, I think in 2018 it would probably take uh, an injury to someone, probably Randall Cobb, but... Uh... You know, possibly Allison or, or Jimmy Graham for him to get like real run this year, but certainly possible past this year. I mean, Cobb is entering the final year of his deal. I'd imagine that he does not come back. It's not like he's been so good that like the team would want to pay him and retain him. Um, you know, Graham is obviously getting older. Like I think he's pretty close to done as it is. So I think there's going to be a big opening on that team starting in 2019 behind Devontae Adams. And, you know, if you buy Jamon Moore now, like, Maybe he doesn't have like a huge breakout in 2018, but he certainly has the best chance out of all the guys they drafted to be, uh, you know, a consistent, a high snap player in that offense in 2019, and that uh, definitely has value with Aaron Rodgers. Rotoviz fam, Jeremy Hart, Rotoviz Radio. Let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or superflex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slower live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at just $77 and going up to $2,500. Here is something incredible. Not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years. New Dynasty Leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Do not miss the FFPC experience, folks. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. 
Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, jumping right back in here. Hey, guys, I've been listening to and reading a lot of evergreen content and have a question about wide receiver breakouts. How much of what we saw 10 years or even five years ago is applicable today given the changes like positionless football? You talked a little bit about it last week on the show, and it got me thinking. I know there are sample size issues, but would it not make sense to also keep a running tab of 2016 as quote-unquote, year one, and somehow weigh that against the traditional 10-year sample? What say you? Yeah, I mean, I think we always want to be considering some, like what's happened most recently uh, when we're trying to forecast successive seasons or how a player is going to perform. Uh, but, I mean, those sample sizes are just way too small to draw major conclusions from. Like, I really like five-year samples for a lot of league-based trends. I think that that helps to keep things a little fresher than like a bigger sample, but also doesn't crush the sample size. But if we're talking about like prospects and breakouts. I mean, I go back to 2000 in a lot of my research and I feel like that sample even like gets too small, you know, like 250 something players or 300 players I have in like my wide receiver database for breakouts. And it's like, I, you know, like that's a, that's a good size, but like if I cut that in half, I don't even think I could use it. So it'd be really difficult, I think, to do, you know, uh, tighter cutoffs uh, when talking about, like, breakout. Yeah, that that's the challenge of uh, the NFL, right? We've got 16 games to play with. We don't have 162 or 82 games to play with here. So always always a challenge there. Uh, Anthony, describe the epitome of an awkward moment for you, and can you provide an example? I mean, the, the number one for me is just, like, not remembering somebody's name because, <laughs> like, as, like, a teacher and a coach, like, I meet so many people. And I'm really bad. I'm really good at remembering names like for kids like in my class. Like I, I'm I'm a I'm a 20 like within 24 hours. I know everybody's name. That's easy. But like when I meet other coaches or like other people, like other adults, I like completely blank on the names because it's just like it doesn't register to me as like really important. Not like in a way that like makes me like an asshole. But like if I meet a coach and like it's before a game, he's like, hey, like I'm Brian, like, you know, nice to meet you, whatever. Like, by the time that conversation is over, like, I forget his name. So, like, it sucks when, like, you run into that person later on. And they're like, hey, Anthony, like, good to see you. And I'm like, hey, man, like, <laughs> this is some, like, hopefully, like, the only way you, like, escape that situation positively is if somebody else is with you. And you can just be like, hey, like, you know, this is my wife, you know, whatever. And then, like, typically then, like, the person's like, oh, I'm Brian, you know, nice to meet you, whatever. Like, then you kind of get out of it. But for the most part, that's like the nut low for me. It's just forgetting somebody's name and feeling like a huge dick. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there 100%. It's funny because I'm I'm the same way like I can see a face and remember the face for as long as I'm alive probably. But I am also just horrible with names. I don't know why. I mean, I do have a theory. Like I feel like, you know, when you when you see a face and I don't know, maybe I'm just a face person versus a name person. I don't know if that's even a thing, right? But I definitely know there are people that remember names better than I do, but like I can visualize things a little bit better. And I probably retain it better, whereas it's a name, it's something that you have to register, right? Like, it's kind of like the law of seven. You need to see something, hear something, uh, smell something, touch something, anything, something seven times before it actually kind of gets engraved there, so to speak. You know, it's one of the corporate America type of things that, you know, you send a communication out via email and you you chalk that up as a communication or a training or an update or whatever, if that's only one occurrence, like you've got six more to go, buddy. Otherwise, it's just not going to register. So I think that's what it is. I don't know. But that's all. You described an awkward situation to the T there because you can get away with not recognizing someone or, or not knowing their name all the way up until that point you have to introduce them to someone else. Like that's when shit really starts to get muddy, right? I think the only way you can get out of that situation is if somebody is asking you to introduce you to your friend to which you don't even know their stinking name. Like the only thing you can do is say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, th this is my friend and he'd love to introduce himself to you. And you can just try to get away with it that way. I don't know. Have you ever made that work? Hundred percent. Like I just, I just always think about like I don't know if you watch The Office, but I oh, just yeah. always think about like the IT guy, <laughs> and like no one knows his name. Like I don't even remember what the guy's name is, and they say it in the episode. You know, like that's just how it is. Like if it's not like if it's not someone that I think I'm gonna see again, I feel like my brain just like flushes the name and like tries to conserve memory space. Like I don't know why. Like it just every time. Like I just don't remember. I have to like really focus. To, I feel like, like I also belittle myself in the beginning as well, right? Because what I'll do is I'll meet somebody new and I'll say, and, and, and forgive me, what'd you say your name was again? And then I would repeat it back a second and a third time and I'd say, I apologize. I am very horrible with names. So I'm just saying it three times right now in case I forget it later. And I've also at least planted that seed. So if I do get caught up later, they at least, hopefully they remember me as less of a prick because I at least planted that seed early, right? I like it. That's, that's definitely plus EV. <laughs> All right, Dynasty, is it possible Jake Butt is a sleeper this year? And if so, should I be selling or buying? I wasn't a fan coming out, but they've been devoid of tight end, and he may have opportunity. Also, any additional thoughts on Luke Wilson? I mean, I think that Denver is a wide receiver-heavy team right now. They have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, two really uh, productive veterans over their careers. They just drafted two guys in the top 100, Cortland Sutton and uh, Deshaun Hamilton. So I don't really see Butt getting you know, a bunch of the targets this year. I'm thinking, you know, 2019 at the earliest that they get rid of, you know, the veteran receivers. Uh, so, it's, I mean, if someone is willing to give something meaningful for him right now, uh, I would definitely sell. I mean, I, to me, like in Dynasty, assuming this is like a, a start one uh, tight end Dynasty League, like if those guys don't have a shot to be a tight end one, that you they're not even worth having on your roster. Like, yeah, I would, I would move them for anything of value, just because I think that position has so much turnover uh, year over year. That's kind of like how I feel about Wilson. Like, I, he's average. Like, his twenty seven, his twenty eighteen outlook is better than Butts, but like he'll score some touchdowns. He'll probably be pretty efficient. But again, it's like a wide receiver heavy team. Their top three receivers are probably their top three target getters this year, and they also have, you know, good pass catching running back in, in Theo Riddick. So I, I don't think that. 
he's going to really be super productive either until, you know, maybe next year they cut uh, a Marvin Jones or, you know, the offense changes a little bit. But I just don't, I just don't really see it for either of those guys right now. Yeah, with you there, and specifically on Wilson as well. Like, I definitely liked him as an arbitrage type of play in the past. And I think, you know, if you want to draft him in like a, in a best ball league as a third tight end, I think I'm fine with, right? Um, but you know, I, them getting rid of Ebron was more a cost thing, a salary cap thing, and, and not, a testament to, to a lack of Ebron production, but just how their system is. To your point, you got three wide receivers. If they're going to turn that running game around like they want to, they have bolstered up that line. There's just not enough scraps left for somebody like Luke Wilson. So they, I think they just realized that and, and went for the cheaper route as well. Um, Dynasty, Corey Coleman uh, or Sterling Shepard long-term, which one has more trade value? I mean, it pains me to say, but I guess it's Shepard at this point. I mean, he certainly has the most trade value right now. Uh, he's the only one of those two guys that's really done anything. Uh, I think that Shepard is probably a little overvalued, but the, you know, history is not kind upon players who go through their first two years and do nothing, uh, especially as first round picks like Coleman. So I, I think it's probably Shepard here. <sighs> I don't want to say Shepard though, you know, like, oh gosh, I mean, you're right, but, it, there's got to be some sort of exception made for a wide receiver that, yep, got a little bit injured, was just in a putrid system, putrid offense, and like, in Sterling Shepard long term, right? Like, he's always going to be stuck behind OBJ as long as he's in New York. Like, Eli is Eli. When they get another quarterback, it's it's going to be even worse because apparently they don't even think they have a problem at quarterback and they think they can draft a running back second overall. Uh, so just maybe Corey Coleman does get traded and lands in a better spot, but I don't know. I guess if that happens, he's still going to be buried behind somebody else anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just cornered myself back into Shepard, and I just, I don't know. I don't like it because I have too many Coleman shares. All right, moving on here. Anthony, if you could eat dinner with anyone in the world, past or present, who would you break bread with and what would you eat? Yeah, so again, like, I'm not a super cultured person. I'm not really, like, the best at, like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, like, you ask this question, they'd be like, oh, like, I'd want to spend a, a dinner with, like, George Washington or the guy <laughs> who invented Facebook or something, you know? Like, I don't know. But, like, I think I'm just trying to have a really good time and enjoy the moment. So for me, I think I'm going with Juju. Like <laughs> the the brand right now is so lit for Juju, like it's unreal. Like I I just know that like we could eat anywhere. Like I don't even need to name a food. Like whatever he thinks is good. Like he's obviously buying. So like the best sushi place around, the best hibachi, like whatever it is. Like we go, like we'd eat, we'd go out, we'd have fun. Like it would be lit. You know, all we'd probably be on his YouTube. Like it would just be a lot of fun. Play some Fortnite. Like. I'm trying to have a good time. I feel like Juju is, is like easily my best athlete, my favorite athlete right now. Like just a, a lot of fun, all about the brand. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the uncultured swine response and say him. Hashtag brand. Hashtag uncultured. Now I I love it. Uh, but I must say though, you you mentioned hibachi, you mentioned sushi. Like that inherently makes you cultured. I mean, maybe I guess. I mean, if 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 being if enjoying good food makes me cultured, then I am cultured as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love good food. Like, I'll eat anything. It's like, like I said, it's like the only thing I really spend money on. Like, my wife, my wife went to Hawaii for like a week, uh, with like some of her college friends. And like, the only thing I did is like, I went out to like nice restaurants that like we usually wouldn't go out to together. And then I just like tried all these different foods and stuff. Like, that's, 
That's my thing. So if that makes me cultured, then I'm cultured. I'm in. Yeah, that that actually sounds glorious. Your wife went away for a week, and you got to have all this amazing food. I'm yeah, I I'm very very jealous right now. Only um, play. <laughs> better season. All right, here we go. Lightning round. Better season. Lashawn McCoy or Christian McCaffrey. I'm gonna go shady here. All right, Marcus Goodwin or Sammy Watkins. Give me a Watkins. Alex Collins, Derrick Henry. This was really tough because they are back-to-back in my projections, but uh, I'm going to go with Henry. Very good. Uh, Tyrell Williams or Ted Ginn? Uh, the Gazelle, not close. The gazelle. Trey Burton or Jack Doyle? Uh, Yak Doyle, please. Mike Williams or Jordan Matthews? Come on, man. <laughs> J Matt. J Matt. Like, that's such a setup. It's obviously J Matt. You, you knew I had to throw that one in the show sheet for you, right? Like, it's not even close. Oh, jeez. J- Javorius Allen or Corey Clement? I mean, just based on some of the stuff we were saying before, I'd say Buck. Yeah, with you there. Um, I'm going with Sammy. I'm going with. Oh, gosh. I'm going Sammy, Collins, Gazelle, Burton. Matthews and Buck. That last one is tough, right? Like I don't know what to expect, if anything, from Sproles. I I don't know. I haven't wrapped my my finger around Philadelphia there, so I'll go with Buck there. Um, take a favorite or popular movie, change one letter in the title. What's the new plot? Uh, what's the new name of the movie, and what's the new plot about? So I went with uh, Pulp Friction. I know it's not the exact. Uh... <laughs> rules you gave me but i added a letter just one letter though so i feel like it still abides by the same idea um and pulp friction is just a uh, documentary about how orange juice is made so maybe there are some secrets <laughs> about the orange juice industry we don't know you know maybe this is kind of this kind of ends up being like uh uh super size me or something you know like we end up finding like a guy all he does is drink orange juice for 30 days and we see what happens to him he turns green or something like i don't know like I, all kinds of stuff but that's that's pulp friction you know, it's funny because I think I think the first show of this season, um, I used Pulp Friction as an example. That very title, Pulp Friction, myself, only it was about uh, John Travolta's um, friction as it relates to Uma Thurman and um, trying very difficult, uh, trying very hard not to, to, to go to bed, I'll say, with, with Marcellus Wallace's wife. And it's pretty unsuccessful, and it turns into kind of like a true romance story from there. I, I wow. think that sounds yeah. a little more saucy than mine. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like, I would much rather learn about the intricacies of how pulp is made with oranges. I don't know. That's just me. That's yeah. just me. I mean, I want to know how they. I, I don't mean to belabor the point, but like, you know, they have like the orange juice that's like has like added calcium and stuff like i want to know how they do that like how are you getting extra calcium in there like it's not milk you know like it's not (laughs) like how do you get how do you get calcium into orange juice without changing orange juice like i don't know oh they're they're 100 changing orange juice like that's not actually 100 orange juice right there's no way no, probably not. I mean, the whole thing's most likely from concentrate anyway, so I don't know why it matters. <laughs> 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 All right, Dynasty. Tevin Coleman and Amari Cooper or Joe Mixon and Stefan Diggs? Uh, so this is pretty tough because I think that the Diggs side probably carries more trade value in, like, most fantasy circles. So if you're just trying to get, like, the most value out of the trade, it's probably that side. 
But I'm not really a mixing guy. I think that Coleman is talented and, you know, could end up in a star- as a starter somewhere in 2019. Like, I like I like kind of buying the uncertainty low, kind of similar to Jarek McKinnon. Uh, so I'm going to take the Amari side. You know, Cooper's still like a top 12 dynasty receiver for me. Uh, and I'm just going to ride my boy. Yeah, it is tough. Like, I want Tevin Coleman and I want Stephon Diggs. But I can't right. have it that way in this in this trade. So, yeah, I will um, – Oh gosh, I think I'll take the mix and dig side just because I'm just you know, I'm a little bit more I don't know I, I worry a little less about digs than I do about Cooper just for the immediate next two to three years I don't know if I should um, but yeah jeez uh, I don't I don't I I don't even kind of see the point of a trade like this though right like what are, what are either team kind of getting out of this train trade like is this just a personal preference, like I like Cooper more than Diggs and you like Coleman more than Mixon, so let's go ahead and trade them. Like I just don't see any positional needs or gaps that are being filled, so I don't know. I don't know. No, you're right. It feels like a lateral move and like to get the bump. You're basically like trying to get the bump. I really want Cooper long term, so I'll trade like some immediate volume with Mixon for Coleman, but yeah, like it's like I like we said, like I like both receivers, so I don't. I wouldn't want to like make that trade. Like I wouldn't want to give up the equity. I'd rather just try to move Mixon and like some other deal to try to get um, probably another receiver because I'm that kind of guy. But yeah, there you go. All right, your most successful hot take ever, and of course your biggest whiff. So I think my best hot take was like two years ago, being like all into Dak. I don't even know if I had like an official Dak take. I know that there were a bunch of bunch of quarterbacks that I said he would be better than. Um, and he was better than many of them. So, like, I think being in on Dak was probably my best, my best take. And my biggest whiff is probably Devontae Freeman. Like, because I, I didn't like just whiff once. Like, I whiffed over and over and over. Like, you know, like the Marshawn Lynch thing where he's like, you know, <laughs> run through motherfucker's face, like over and over and over. Like, that is like what Devontae Freeman did to me. Like, he did it to me in, in season long leagues. He did it to me in DFS. Like, every week for like a month and a half, like, I would not play this guy. In daily fantasy, like I would not trade for him in, in season long, and he just smashed over and over. And I was just like, no, he's not good. He's not good. He's not good. Coleman's better. Coleman's better. And like you know, it's 2018, and he's still the starter and still probably an RB one. Like that's just a complete and utter L. Yeah, it's the it's the irony of just digging in so deep into these prospects when they're coming out, and it's uh, I guess what it, whatever they call a paralysis by analysis, right? Like you're. Yeah, I still think Tevin Coleman is much better than Devonta Freeman, right? Like maybe not stylistically, but who cares, right? Like at the end of the day, like it's just it's tough to get past some of this stuff, especially when it gets compounded by you know confirmation bias, and then like the minute you hear a piece of news that maybe is just an iota of of, of negative negative or anything, like you, we just it, we're humans in nature, we just we we take it, we we grasp, we hold on to it, and then we run with that because that's how we were initially thinking to begin with, right? Hundred percent. I think uh, I think that's called anchoring. I could be wrong. If you're a, if you're a psychologist and you listen to the show, email the show or it is radio at gmail.com. Let us know what that's called. Yeah, it took me like 2,300 words to just say anchoring, huh? <laughs> no, it's fine. You're the host. We want to hear you. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, too early sizzling hot take for the 2018-19 season. Uh, Pat Mahomes is going to be a top five quarterback this year. I've said that on a couple other shows. Like I just, I think that the weapons are too good. Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. I don't know if there's another team out there that has, you know, a better and more complimentary set of weapons. 
Um, and I think that it would take Mahomes to be like a really legitimately bad quarterback to not pay off his current value. And I think that if he's good, which I do think that he is, you know, he's going to be a top five guy. Would you go as far as saying top three? Uh, I mean, do I have to to make it to quantify as a hot take? Because I will. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't. I'm not like projecting that, obviously. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, if I was looking at guys who have like huge ceilings, like obviously Rogers always has a big ceiling. Cam always has a big ceiling. But like past that, like I'm probably going with Mahomes. Like Russell Wilson has to deal with. Brian Schottenheimer's bum ass. Like <laughs> Luck is coming back from an injury. Like Brady's older. Like I, sure. Mahomes top three. I'm in on that. Boom. There it is. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, submit them via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com or on Twitter. That's R, uh, at roadofhisradio. Use the hashtag RV Mailbag. Anthony, my man, many thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Any last-minute plugs? No, not at all. I mean, I, you know, I'm pumped to be here. Just keep checking me out on the Twitter. Keep checking out the, the hashtag content so we can build the hashtag brand. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's been good times. No, always my pleasure indeed. And uh, if he forgets your name out there in the Twitter sphere, don't take it personal. We're just those kind of people. But make sure you follow him at Amixta. That's A-M-I-C-S-T-A. And don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Three, two. Actually, hold on a sec. My, my cat is whining. I don't want you to. I don't want to go over the show. So let me just move him quick. You, you can have her on the show. She can do the analysis. That's fine. <laughs> Probably be better. <laughs> Here, sir. Do you have a friend, though, who his cat, uh, he literally named a monster. He's more like a Rottweiler. And for the life of me, I am not allowed to go in that house without that cat trying to attack me. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, he sits by the front door waiting for people to hiss at. Like, I don't know what happened to this cat. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty funny. Maybe I'll put this in the outtakes because I know he listens to the show and, and he'll be pretty pleased to hear the monster get some appearance at the end there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they beat their cat. You know, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. Nice. The good part of Jersey, though, like by like the woods and stuff like it's it's pretty peaceful stuff. you gotta go to the woods to be the good part in jersey huh can you imagine actually naming yourself a situation like that in and of itself is a situation makes me very uncomfortable meatballs get out of here I'm here sir Yerd. yeah so again like i'm not a super cultured person i'm not really like the best at <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of people, like, you ask these questions, like, oh, like, I'd want to 
friend at a dinner with like George Washington or the guy who invented Facebook or something, you know, like, I don't know. But like, I think I'm just trying to have a really good time and enjoy the moment. So for me, I think I'm going with Juju. Like the, the brand right now is so lit for Juju. Like it's unreal. Like I, I just know that like we could eat anywhere. Like I don't even need to name a food. Like whatever he thinks is good. Like he's obviously buying. So like the best sushi place around, the best hibachi, like whatever it is. Like we go, we eat, we go out, we have fun. Like it would be lit. You know, all, we'd probably be on his YouTube. Like it would just be a lot of fun. Like Fortnite. Like. I'm trying to have a good time. I feel like Juju is, is like easily my best athlete, my favorite athlete right now. Like just a, a lot of fun, all about the brand. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the uncultured swine response and say, "You mentioned hibachi. You mentioned sushi. Like that inherently makes you culture." I mean, maybe I guess. I mean, if, if, if being if enjoying good food makes me cultured, then I am cultured as fuck. Like. <laughs> I love good food. Like I'll eat anything. It's like, like I said, it's like the only thing I really spend money on. Like, my wife, my wife went to Hawaii for like a week uh, with like some of her college friends, and like the only thing I did is like I went out to like nice restaurants that like we usually wouldn't go out to together, and then I just like tried all these different foods and stuff. Like that's that's my thing. So if that makes me cultured, then I'm cultured. Here, sir. Mike Williams or Jordan Matthews? Come on. <laughs> J-Man. J-Man. Like, that's such a setup. It's obviously J-Man. Run through the motherfucker's face, like, over and over and over. Like, 2,300 words should just say anchor. <laughs> Man, that's a wrap. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford. F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day Salathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September 3rd.